0: Another episode of the Touch Points podcast by East Point Bible Church. I'm Matthew Carnegie, one of the pastors here, and this week, as you can probably already hear, I'm playing hurt, as they say. I went ahead and recorded an episode this week because it's a topic I actually planned to do last week, but ended up out sick. So even though I apologize for my voice still being in this condition as I continue to recover, I felt this was an important enough topic that I couldn't wait any longer to share a few thoughts that I believe the church needs to hear right now. This imperative topic, then, is the recent controversy surrounding Alistair Begg and the American evangelical world's response to it. I should briefly share some background information to make sure we're all on the same page, though, before I give my thoughts on it. A few weeks ago, Pastor Begg was being interviewed and shared that he had given a concerned grandmother advice concerning what to do about being invited to her grandchild's wedding, a wedding that would have gone against God's design for marriage. After verifying that this grandmother had made clear the biblical opposition to such a union, he advised her to go ahead and attend and even to bring a gift so as not to destroy what remained of their relationship. Predictably, evangelical social media erupted over this advice, with many conservatives ranging from refuting his counsel all the way up to excommunicating him. So, ten days later, he preached a sermon in which he addressed the controversy, including defending the advice he gave, though acknowledging that his defense of biblical sexual ethics has not changed, and that he did not intend for this advice to be taken universally just in the context of the case before him. As the controversy wore on, the Shepherds' Conference held at Grace Community Church near Los Angeles announced that he and John MacArthur mutually agreed that he would be too much of a distraction at this year's conference in March, so he's no longer on the list of guest speakers for this year. As is so often the case, after a couple weeks of firestorm, most of the world has become bored and moved on, but Pastor Begg has now shifted from being one of the most beloved preachers among conservative evangelicals today to persona non grata, a pariah among many who used to respect him. Brothers and sisters, my heart is grieved to express my profound disappointment in everything about this situation. I'm disappointed in Alistair Begg. I'm disappointed in John MacArthur and the Shepherds Conference. But most of all, I'm disappointed in how supposedly biblical Christians in America responded to all of this so much like the world that an outside observer wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. My prayer is that by taking each of these briefly in turn, we as the church can learn some things from the situation so that the next time something similar happens, we can respond in ways that make the reality of Jesus Christ and his life-changing power known instead of discrediting him by responding in ways that make us look just as mundane as the unregenerate. First of all, I should be clear that I am disappointed in Alistair Begg because I do believe he erred in giving and defending that advice, but I do at least believe he was sincerely trying to apply biblical wisdom, even if I believe he did so at the expense of weightier biblical matters." As I stated earlier, he has been unequivocal that he has not wavered on his defense of biblical sexual ethics before and after this incident. So for him, the issue has been whether or not those can be set aside for the sake of preserving a family relationship where an unregenerate member is committed to pursuing one or more of those sins. There is a valid point to be made that we need to think carefully about how we approach unbelievers in our family and to what extent we work to maintain a relationship when we have made our convictions clear. For example, do we refuse to visit unbelieving family members who have chosen to cohabitate with their significant others before marriage? These kinds of questions are significant ones that we should work through. But in this case, I believe, as many others have pointed out, that marriage in its function as a covenant before God to initiate a bond designed by God from the beginning of mankind to express both the profound nature of the Godhead, according to Genesis 1 and 2, as well as the nature of Jesus Christ's relationship with his bride, the church, according to Ephesians 5. In those functions, marriage is solemn Solomon institutions for the conscientious Christian to participate in any perversion thereof. And yes, those who are witnessing a wedding are in that way participating in the ceremony and giving legitimacy to the vows made that day, so attending one should be taken seriously. For those reasons, I was disappointed that Pastor Begg chose to defend the idea of attending a wedding that would make a mockery of God's design for marriage, and I was further disappointed by what I saw as faulty exegesis in his follow-up sermon trying to compare criticism of his stance to Pharisaism. I can still respect him and his ministry while disagreeing strongly with his judgment on this matter. However, the upcoming Shepherds Conference, where he was previously scheduled to speak, could have been an unprecedented opportunity for Christian leaders who disagree on a matter like this to show unity despite their disagreement about application of biblical principle. And robust, mature discussion on the topic may have even helped all sides grow in their ability to apply scripture to the difficult issues we face in our culture today. Instead, I was disappointed to hear that the resolution ended up being that he was simply dismissed from his invitation, leaving the issue itself unresolved and the unity of the body of Christ left fractured instead of healed. Imagine the impact that seeing MacArthur and Begg on stage discussing this issue as mature ministers of God could have had on the unity and maturity of the church in America in a time when we're divided so easily. But now we'll never know. Now, I'm not privy to whatever conversations may have happened behind the scenes that may have given them the idea that this may stay unresolved enough, that it may have genuinely created a distraction. So I'm willing to show understanding to MacArthur and his camp for those possibilities. Yet I'm still disappointed it didn't work out better for the sake of all of us Christians in America who could have really used that example at a time like this. Nonetheless, my greatest disappointment has been in the public response that Christians who would proudly claim to stand for biblical values have shown to all of this. Just this past Sunday, Pastor Jim Butler, our church's lead pastor, preached a sermon on the topic of judging in the church. I won't rehash the whole sermon for you, but two of his main points included that yes, there is a righteous form of judgment Christians are commanded to exercise in the Bible, mainly in the form of showing discernment about sin and false teaching. But yes, there is also an unrighteous form of judgment Christians are supposed to avoid when we judge hypocritically, arrogantly, or unwisely. I have been disappointed in what I have seen shared across social media that has displayed some deeply unrighteous judgment in two main ways. First, Many reactions I saw displayed a disturbing level of disrespect for someone who has clearly been used by God as a faithful minister of his kingdom. Scripture is clear that we ought to respect those who are faithfully ministering. 1 Timothy 5.17 in particular says we ought to show double honor to elders who rule well, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. While the context of that passage actually suggests taking care of your pastors financially, it's more than fair to apply that command to the level of respect we show those in that position. And while Pastor Begg has more than proven himself to be someone who works hard at preaching and teaching, more than a few have been quick to disrespect him and not merely disagree for his stance on this matter. Many conservative Christians bemoan cancel culture in America, but God forbid one of our own should slip up in public view. How has our response been different than the worldly one we despise so much? The second and arguably more disturbing way I believe unrighteous judgment has been on display in all of this is how quick people were to jump to conclusions in all of this. Especially if there was a public figure with a hot take on the internet that was able to get them sufficiently riled up. I'm very curious how many people actually listened to what Pastor Begg had to say, both in his initial comments and in his follow-up sermon. Both are easy enough to find on the internet and wouldn't take long to work through. How many instead just read a blog or listened to someone else's quick take and swallowed without a second thought all the allegations out there that a previously respected pastor had suddenly fallen out of usefulness, if not out of the kingdom entirely? Proverbs 18.13 says, He who gives an answer before he, he, he hears, it is folly and shame to him. How many of us were foolish in this matter by jumping to serious conclusions without hearing to form an opinion for ourselves? I realize not everyone has the time to chase down every crazy accusation that flies on the internet. But if we're being led to believe a minister of God with decades of faithful experience bearing witness to his character is suddenly not to be trusted, that bears doing at least a little digging into the truth of the matter. My concern on underlying all of this, as I said at the beginning, is that too many Christians responded in all of the unwise and unrighteous ways the world would to a controversy like this. Too many of us missed the irony that they were doing the very things they lament so much when the world does them. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to be salt and light in the world. In other words, we're supposed to be different, distinct, so that the world can tell the difference. When we fail in this way, we're not only missing opportunities, we're actually making the gospel less attractive by becoming that salt that has lost its flavor, that light hidden under a basket. Brothers and sisters, please, I pray, consider how the ease of unrighteousness behind a screen is damaging our witness in the world. And please think and pray about how we can use these situations that come up to glorify God and witness to the world instead of doing the exact opposite by jumping right into the mud with the rest of the world. As Paul exhorted the Ephesians, let's walk not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, the very limited time we have, because the days are evil. Have a great week in the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. that you have been blessed by listening to this week's episode of Touchpoints, a weekly podcast produced by East Point Bible Church in Peru, Indiana. To learn more about East Point, we would love to connect with you by reaching out via our website at ebcperu.org. That's ebcperu.org.